Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Good morning. We kind of come together this morning from the land of everything, don't we? Um, we have everything, we have every right, every comfort, every freedom, and we come to the end of our Opposite Way series here, and Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted, and uh, we want to talk about that. This is my first legit uh, pioneer days here with you guys, and uh, it's interesting to kind of land here on this week. Um, as we kind of celebrate the, the perseverance of, of uh, the LDS culture, and they, they came here and they were persecuted, and that's kind of what the celebration is about as people came here to Salt Lake. And, uh, and it's interesting to land here and to talk about persecution uh, from Jesus, Jesus' talk about persecution. And um, so as we start this morning, I want to pray, because to be honest, we... We come, we talk about this, and we kind of observe through a glass darkly. You know, we, we observe at a distance a story of a different place, of a different time. And, and I want to pray that God would teach us something this morning um, about persecution and about the joy and the blessing of walking with Him in such a way that persecution would be the outcome. God, as we come before you this morning, uh, I pray that you would teach us from your word. Uh, God, we have baggage with uh, a lot of things from your word. We have baggage with this word persecution. Uh, and, and we know we don't like it, and we know that we've heard it. And so, God, I, I pray that you'd help us to clear our, our heads a little bit of, of some of the stuff that we come to it with today, the preconceived notions and... And that you would teach us freshly of what it is to walk with you and why you said that, that blessed are you when, when you're insulted and persecuted and, and pushed away. God, thank you. I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would open the word to us and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, the artist... Amy Winehouse died yesterday in London. Um, you might know her song, uh, It Tried to Make Me Go to Rehab. I said, no, no, no. And uh, she was phenomenal. Phenomenal voice. She was 27. And our world uh, values, we value all the things that take us in that direction. If we spin out the things that we think of as blessings, we think of fame and power and money and status and success and pleasure and rights and and when you go far in that direction um man the outcomes are painful but we we still think of those things as the blessings of life and in jesus when he starts his ministry he he says blessed are the poor in spirit you know i was thinking about that last night and uh Oh, man, is it? you hate to watch somebody go through that. So much pain. And 
And the truth is, um, you and I say no to rehab all the time. We do. Nobody likes that. And I don't say that mockingly. We all need rehab. In fact, the scriptures call us to rehab all the time before God, don't they? They call us to our knees to say, oh, God, forgive me again. Man, clean my heart. Bring me close to you. And, and you and I, although we, if you've come to be a follower of Jesus, you know that that's a good place to be at. When you're stuck in your sin, do you ever want to go to rehab? You totally don't. And you want to run and run until there's nowhere else to go. And we come to the scriptures again, and Jesus, he calls us to come and to be poor in spirit. To come, we watch people do it um, on TV. We watch, it's like they get to a place where there's nothing they can do except for, I messed up, I need help, I can't do it myself. And they check in. Right? And, and the scriptures call us to come to God and say, I messed up. I can't do it myself. I need you. I need help. I need to check in. Have you been there this week? Because the scriptures call believers, Christians, to regularly be there at that place weekly. And so that's where we're going today, Um, again, to Jesus, to say, Jesus, I'm here at your feet again. I'm totally dependent on you. I need you. I need to check in. And he invites us, and he holds us, and he heals us. Isn't that a good thing? And we need to be the kind of group of people. We need to have the kind of life together groups. We need to have the kind of relationships where we encourage that in each other, right? Where we don't look at people who, who check in in brokenness and say, oh, man, look at them, right? We need to be the kind of people who encourage one another. Let's check in together in, into Christ in repentance and, and to have fresh stuff from God. You tracking with me this morning? All right. So here we are. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus comes to his disciples, and he, this is the eighth beatitude or the eighth blessing, and he, he basically says, if you're going to live out this kind of life, this life that we're talking about, of meekness, of poor in spirit, of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, of pure in heart... He says, if you're going to walk that way, the outcome is going to be the same for you as it was for the prophets of old. It's going to be the same for you as it, as it was for me. You're going to encounter persecution. And so I want to jump right into that. Persecution defined hostility, ill treatment, uh, especially because of someone's race, political, or religious beliefs. Okay? This isn't simply disagreement. Okay? This isn't simply somebody disagreeing with you on a subject or even on the subject of religion, okay? So it's not just disagreement or even, even heated argument about something. It's not really, it's not just that. It's not prosecution as well, and we'll go into that. It's not, it's not um, you're being prosecuted because you broke the law. If you're being prosecuted because you broke the law, then you need to pay the ticket. You need to do the time, you need, right? So it, it's not that. Um, 
going even further, it, it's not simply avoidance, okay? It's not simply uh, people avoiding you because, there's no other way to say it, because you're an idiot, right? There, it's not simply that, right? Just because you're, you're that bristly kind of person that nobody wants to be around, okay? That's not, that's not persecution, all right? Do you know what I'm saying? Um, if, if you are the kind of person who loves the newest and most clever bumper sticker to tell the people around you that they're going to hell, right? That's not, that's not persecution, okay? Really. Um, and so you, you need to understand that, that persecution is, is more than that. Persecution is specifically, it's, it's ill treatment because of somebody's race, political, or religious beliefs. Okay, 1 Peter 4.12 says that we're not supposed to be surprised at that. Okay, 1 Peter 4.12 goes like this. Um, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, although something, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Continuing on, it says uh, in verse 14, If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it shouldn't be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. Verse 16 says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. All right? We shouldn't be surprised. That's the first thing he says. Don't be surprised uh, when persecution comes. And it shouldn't be just for wrongdoing. It shouldn't be because of your sin, your crime. Um, but rejoice that you bear the name of Christ. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, and uh, so, so here's what it is. Let's go back to verse 11 of Matthew 5. It says, blessed are you when people insult you. Okay? It, it starts with insulting and persecution. All right? And I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, everything from name-calling to physical violence, even death. The goal of of this is usually get you to what? Change your mind, to recant, to, to stop your belief. The girl in the video, okay, the girl in the video, uh, the woman from Iraq, she said, I was given two options by my father. What were they? They were either to leave what? Leave Jesus or leave the family, okay? Persecution, usually, that's the goal of it, okay? To get you to shut up about Jesus, to get you to not believe in Jesus, to get you to turn back away from him. And that's the goal of persecution. Some of you who are here right now who are believers in Christ could have and probably did persecute others before you became believers. All right? Is it that strange? Um, let me play out a scenario. Um, a couple of kids grow up together in a family. They've got kind of a tight family. They all either... They all either religiously worship in one direction or religiously party in a direction together, right? There's a family flow. And one of them comes to Christ. And what do the rest of the siblings do to that one? They try to talk him out of it, right? They just do. It's like, this isn't you. This isn't us, right? This isn't the way we go. This isn't who we are. What are you doing, right? Like, family reunions are no fun anymore. Saturday nights are no fun anymore. Come on, join us again, right? Okay, legitimately, there's, there's some persecution there. Okay, is it, is it heavy in the context of our North American, kind of most of our North American experience? Can be, right? And relationally, it can be heavy. Okay, 
It's probably not as much as in a place maybe like Iraq where maybe you could be stoned for it or killed for it. You know, but I mean, it, but relationally to be pushed out by your family is that heavy, right? Uh, is there anybody here who would just say, yeah, I, I was one of those siblings before I came to Christ? Is there anybody who would raise their hand? Yeah, a few of us, yeah. And so that's just kind of normal. We're going to see that in the New Testament as well because, because what Jesus says is people who persecute you, right, they don't know me yet, right? They don't know. It is a weird, odd thing to them because they don't know me, okay? So anyways, that, that's the first part. Um, but even going further than that, um, there's, uh, you know, it, it can go even as far as, as murder. It can go as far as, as pushing you and pushing you and pushing you until, um, until you're murdered. L- literally, the, the numbers, they they blow you away of the, the hundreds of thousands that have been murdered recently in the name of Christ. Annually, annually, thousands and ten thousands of people around the globe killed for Christ. Now, we, we don't think anything of that. Um, we're, we're going to Ethiopia in November, and um, it, not in the exact area that we were at, in, in western Ethiopia, a man was killed in March, a pastor was killed in March, and, um, and it says that 59 churches have been burned and 28 homes in this area of the Jima zone of, of uh, Ethiopia and, since March 2nd when this happened, and, uh, and literally 4,000 people have been scattered. 4,000 Christians have been scattered. They've fled for their lives uh, since March in Ethiopia. And we, we don't track with that. And, and so as we come to this and as we talk about it, he, here's the question that I'd love for you to roll around in your head. What if, what if in, in Utah, and that's not our context, but what if in Utah um, 57 Christian churches got burned and, and a couple pastors got killed, maybe down in Draper, and, and, and what would that look like here on Sunday morning for you and I. And we knew that a bunch of other churches had gotten burned and that, and that this might be next and the authorities can't quite figure out exactly who's doing it. And what would that look like for you here this morning if that was reality? And we're going we're gonna to jump into it. Okay, so, uh, you know, the, the next thing is... Um, the false claims of evil in verse 11. It says, they insult you, they persecute, they falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Why does Jesus say they falsely say all kinds of evil against you? Why would Jesus speak to his disciples and say falsely all kinds of evil? We know that they did against Jesus, right? They, they brought up a whole bunch of false claims because if you, if you walk in these beatitudes, if you walk here like Jesus calls us to in these blessings, um, what are they going to have to do? They're, they're going to have to make up false things about you because, because there won't be anything to give. The truth is, is that we all have some stuff that people can use, but largely if, if you walk the way Jesus calls us to walk, in meekness, loving each other, putting the needs of others before, walking with a humble, poor spirit, walking, seeking righteousness, uh, then they're going to have to make something up. And that's a lot of times what happens. I can't tell you how many times, um, just in my small experience in ministry for the last 15 years, that 
that myself and people around, they just, stuff just, fake stuff just comes up. False stuff just gets said. It, it, just, it just happens. Um, not because it, it just does. And so you need to understand that you shouldn't be surprised when false stuff comes up. Uh, there's a young adult here uh, in our church who's done a bit of writing about her experience of growing up here as a, as a Christian and just stories of being a sophomore and getting, getting harassed and getting crosses yanked off and set, telling, you need to leave. You need to leave this state. And, and the, the, the difficulty of staying and the difficulty of loving. And, and you got to know that, that there's opportunity when, when you walk like this, there's opportunity for you to, to not be surprised when people don't like it because they don't know him yet. All right? John 15 uh, Jesus says the same thing. He says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Doesn't that make sense? Uh, kind of in the story of if, if you meet Christ and, and your family doesn't go that way, right? And, and you say, you know what? I love my family more than... I, I think that might be true, but I love my family more, so I'm going to stick with my family. Will your family be upset with that decision? No, because you're part of it, okay? So if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Continuing in verse 20. Remember the words that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecute me, this is Jesus speaking, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. That's just what Jesus says. They, they don't know the Father, and they don't know the one who sent me, and so they're, they're just going to reject that. All right, so uh, here's where Jesus goes. He says, he says don't be surprised by it uh, when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil because of me, okay? Because of me. Now, I want you to know that Jesus, this really is in closing. All of the other Beatitudes have been third person, Okay? Blessed are those. Third person. Do you, you know what I'm saying? And, and here he comes and he gets second and first person. Okay? And he says, now, okay, blessed are you when you walk these things out, when you live this way. Okay, blessed are you when, when you're insulted because of, because of me, he says. Um, in verse 12, here's where he goes. He says, rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for the same way they, per- they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus says this, he says, look forward. And really all of these beatitudes, they, they encourage us to not just look here at the immediate, at the now, but to look further down the line. And he does the same thing here, he says, great is your reward of following me. Don't worry about the difficulties here uh, of that. Don't worry about the insults. The, he says, instead, great is your reward in heaven. And, and those who, who follow me now, th- there's blessing in that. There is blessing in enduring now and, 
and keeping our eyes fixed on what is ahead. Uh, here's what he says um, in Acts 1, 5 through 8. Because uh, here, here's what happens um, to the church. Jesus is, Jesus is here with his disciples, and this is the start of his ministry. He continues, and he's killed. He's persecuted. And he comes back from the dead. If, uh, if you don't know the story, um, Jesus is God's son, came here to live and die for our sins, and he conquered death. And when he came back to life, he was with his disciples and, and hundreds of other people for 40 days. And then he, he left, and he told them as they went, he says, stay here until I send the Holy Spirit, and then go everywhere and tell people about the gospel. And so the people, uh, the followers of Christ, did that very thing. And the Holy Spirit came to Jerusalem, and the church began to grow, but they stayed. And what God allowed to come in was persecution. And the, they started getting in trouble with the law. They started getting in trouble with the religious leaders. And pretty soon, uh, not only had some of the apostles gone to jail, but one of the leaders called Stephen... Uh, is murdered, and he's murdered, and just on the heels of his, his death in chapter 8, here's what happens. The church scatters. It says this, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul is a guy who later gets renamed after he meets Christ. He gets renamed as Paul, and you know him as the Apostle Paul. He writes most of the New Testament. Saul was there giving approval to his death, okay? Saul was there persecuting Christians. In fact, that was his full-time occupation before he became a follower of Jesus. Saul was there giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now, I want you to listen to this, because if you're a Christian, this is, this is how you would react to persecution. I want you to see it. Here's what they say. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply for him. Continuing verse... Three, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged men and women off and put them in prison. And those, listen, who were scattered, they preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached, he proclaimed the Christ there. Um, here's what happens. The people are scattered everywhere. And what do they go out talking about? Do they go out seeking uh, judicial action? to right the persecution that was done to them in, in Jerusalem? Did they go out seeking lawyers and political action to right what was wronged? No, what did they go out talking about? They're scattered talking about the gospel. Okay, this is what always happens, and I want you to, well, I'll come back to this again. These are the three things that always happen with persecution. The church always grows, just always does. Everywhere in the world, we're going to look at China in just a second. China is the fastest growing church in the world. Soon going to be more Christians in China than there are in America. Okay? In, in uh, 1979... Uh, no, sorry, 1949, there were approximately 700,000 Christians in China in 1949. Okay? Today, they estimate it at more than 100 million. Okay? More than 100 times what there were 50 years ago. Uh, the, the state will say that there's about uh, 20 million, okay? Um, modest reports are somewhere between 75 and 100 million, 75 and 100 million 
Christians in the underground, not legitimate, unknown church in China. There's 350 million people in America, so that's about, that would be about equal to 33% of the population of America. And so the church always grows. It just always does under persecution. In fact, um, people who are serving underground in China say that the, the Chinese church, seeing what God is doing among them, looking at the West, at where they get lots of materials from, at the blessing, in loving us, do you know what they're asking God for, for the West, the Western church? They're asking for persecution. In knowing what it does for them, in knowing the life that they had before fitting in, and knowing who they are now in Christ and the life they have, do you know what they're praying for? They're praying for deep, real persecution for the church in the West. Because more people always get saved and come to Christ under persecution. I don't know how to explain it, but history says it over and over and over. And we live in a country where we historically fled, or a group of people fled from religious persecution in Europe and came here to settle that there would be freedom, right? And we celebrate freedom and democracy. And so in, it's weird to celebrate both because we have such freedoms here, and yet freedoms and privilege don't lead us historically to dependence on God. In fact, they lead us more and more to independence and, and dependence on ourselves. And, and the church in China is praying for persecution for the church in the West. Second thing that persecution always does is it purifies the church, and that's part of why it grows. It doesn't make sense, but, but you see, it, if you heard me ask earlier if, if th- there's only about, there, there's less than 100 Christian churches in this whole Salt Lake Valley area, and so if 57 of them were burned in the last month, and a couple of pastors were killed, and a lot of the people said, we're out of here, and they're, they're gone. They're in California, they're somewhere else. And, and I know it's a weird scenario, but, but if that were to happen, um, and, and there's possible problems for you here, possible harm for you here, w- would you be here? And see, the answer to that is that if you're a Christian, you would. And I don't, I don't know how to get into your heart and your head and say that, but if you're a Christian you actually would. And it's like the, the guy on the, did you hear what the guy on the, the Chinese guy on the video said? It, it's what he said over and over. Let me quote him. Here's what he said. He said, I became a believer 10 years ago on a business trip, and now my, fo- my whole family has believed. I want to go and share despite the fear, because God never fears, and he will overcome. And, and he said, even though there's danger for me, I continue to go all the time. And here, listen to what he said. He said, I visit my neighbors, Sometimes when the time is right, I tell the story of Jesus Christ, and then we pray. And every week we see new people coming to the Christ. And in the midst of all the darkness and persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He actually said, he said when we pray, he said, we ask the Holy Spirit to work, and the Holy Spirit works. And, and he says, even though we know, it's so secret that in his apartment building, they, they found there's a whole other church that's been meeting and growing for quite some time in the same apartment building. That we had no idea. Thrilling and humbling. 
You see, it always purifies the church. Church always grows. More people come to Christ and, and it always purifies it because, because what, I mean, if, if possibly my life is on the line or, or possibly I go to jail or, and if, if I'm really a Christian, man, it, it just clarifies a lot of what life's about. And there's other things that just kind of don't matter. And, and if you're here, and, and man, I am so grateful for, for not only K2, but America, where you can, you can go and you can, you can process stuff. And so you might be thinking, man, is there a God? And is this Jesus thing real? And, and, and you are free to sit and disagree and free to, free to be here, free to not be. I mean, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Right? But, but there... If, if you're not in, and even if you have questions, there's no way you're going to get tangled up. And so, you know, it, if we wanted to make a morning that was a little bit more like, like under persecution, like we definitely wouldn't have, you know, we, we definitely wouldn't have sound, right? Because we wouldn't have amplification, and, and we'd be out here, and we'd be talking quiet, and it would be just in an office building or... And probably the first announcement wouldn't be about the outreach day where we're going to wear K2 shirts. And probably the first announcement would be like, hey, this is a new place. And so, you know, if it gets hot or weird, um, there's an exit in the back. And there's a good way out over here. And there's a good way out over here. All right? We love you. If some of us don't make it, right, you know what's next. Right? You know where the next place is. That, that would be, that'd be a different kind of Sunday morning, right? If Eric opens us up with that, that's different. And historically, everywhere in the world that that happens, the church grows. And more people come to Christ. And, and everywhere that there's tons of freedom, uh, Cicero said in 63 BC, he said, uh, this is, he was a Roman and he was looking at the Roman Empire and he said, he said, We've, he said our heroes are no longer our politicians and our men of war. Our heroes are our actors, our, our, um, our artisans, and our, our athletes. And he said, surely this is no good. And, and three years later, the Roman Empire crumbled. And that's what Cicero predicted. And, and we live in this, in this comfort where we don't, we, don't know, we don't know what we're supposed to revere, and we make gods of our pleasure and our... And, it, and we miss the point. I know I'm rambling, but do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so we, we get off track, and, and persecution comes in, and it, it purifies the church. And so it just always does. Because if you're not in, there's no reason for you to put that risk on the line. And, and really, once you go under persecution, then it does. It gives you opportunity to talk. And what I'm saying is that the church we find in Acts, the church that gets persecuted, who do they talk about? They talk about Jesus. They don't argue about persecution. They don't try to legislate persecution out of their life. They don't, they don't try to defend themselves. They, they simply talk about Jesus. And some more of them die, and more of them get born. And, and that's what happens. They talk about Jesus. So if you know somebody who loves to talk about persecution, if you know somebody who loves to talk about how bad it is for them, okay, Maybe you're that person. I don't know. What I want to tell you is you're not responding the way the believers of the New Testament respond. They talk about the goodness of the story of Jesus. 
the man in the man in China on the video, does he spend all his time talking about how bad it is? No, he says there's there's risk, but Jesus is better. And what does he talk about? He talks about Jesus. We're going to Ethiopia, like I said, in November. Um, and uh, it's our prayer that that God would would teach us even more of this as we uh, we get a little bit closer. Let me just close with this. Um, what what do we do with this? Because here's what I wrestle with: How, What do we do with this? Because it can be, I mean, it can can be compelling on one uh, on one level. It can be terrifying on another level. Uh, what do we do with this? Um, the Bible doesn't ever tell us to pray for persecution. That would be sadistic, right? Okay, it doesn't ever, doesn't, doesn't ever say pray for pain, but it says don't, don't let it surprise you. You live this way and you're going to find it around you. You, you live this way and, and you share the gospel with somebody and, and they come to, you might have to help them through the persecution of their family, right? You, don't be surprised by it. So how do we, how do we get ready for it? Um, the first thing I just wanted to—I wanted to really take the advice of the man from China, okay? In the video, here's what he said, and here's what I would encourage you to do: if if you wanna, if you wanna walk into this a little bit and say, God, um, it, if you're saying that there's blessing in walking with you in such a way that you receive persecution, and that I'm, I can trust in you, and I can look forward to my reward in heaven, and I can hang on to you because I think that's the punchline: is that when everything is is just gone around you, who do you have left? The disciples, uh, there's a whole bunch of people that left Jesus when he taught, and, and Jesus looks at them and he says, are you guys going to leave too, to his closest? And they said, Jesus, where else do we go? You have the words of life. There's nothing, we can't go anywhere else. And do you know what it's like to have all that stuff stripped away, even for a little bit of time, and Jesus is all you have left to hang on to? And so here's what he says. He says, go to your neighbor's. Have a, have a meal with them. Go into their house. Have them into your house. Eat and drink with them. Do life stuff together with them. And he says, sometimes I have the opportunity to tell the story about Christ. And then we pray. And I ask the Holy Spirit to work. Okay, is that simple or what? That, that's, that's how the church is exploding in China. Okay? Go to your neighbors. Eat some food talk about the story of Jesus and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to work. Everyone here who is a Christian, that is, is so, it's so radically simple that it, it's crazy. When you have people over to your house that aren't Christians, do you eat food? Yeah. Do you, do you have fun with them? Yeah. So look for an opportunity to say, man, Jesus is awesome. He's, he's just changed my life. And whether that's, whether that's at a birthday party, praying for the person whose birthday it is and just thanking God for them and, and thanking God for all that he's doing in your life or just sharing the story of Jesus and think about how radically it could change your community and your sphere of influence. Okay, that's the first thing. Um, and, and don't be surprised at persecution. Don't be surprised Uh, The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to, um, 
And we could spend a ton of time talking about this. Um, I, I want to encourage you to, um, as, if you're a Christian, the Bible uh, tells us that there's times to fast and pray. And, and fasting is, um, it's a really good way to introduce um, synthetic suffering into your life, just fake created suffering. And it's like Paul says, Paul says, I, I discipline my body, I beat my body into submission because I, I got to know how to control where I'm going. I got to know that I can endure suffering. If you never say no to yourself, what are you going to do when someone says no to you? You're going to be devastated. And, and you need to work out your soul, right? You understand uh, working out aerobically, right? And so aerobic workout stretches your lungs, and, and, and you need to stretch your soul. And you need to know, I can hurt a little bit and hang on to Jesus, and it'd be okay. If you're interested in that, I would love to spend more time talking to you about it. Um, and then third thing, pray for the persecuted church. Because literally, around the world, um, there's, there's meetings like this that just got broken up this morning in China. There's people who were arrested and put in jail today around the world because of the name of Jesus and because of what he's doing in people's lives. And as you have those kind of lunches, as you over lunch with one of your mates at work, tell them about the amazing God that you've met and his name is Jesus and he's changed your life. As you do that and as you pray for the Holy Spirit to work in those people's lives, you're you're going to see God grow the church, bring persecution, purify you, purify the church, and, and you shouldn't be surprised about it. So that's what we're going to do. Let me pray for us. God, is, uh, as we close today, God, we don't, we don't really know exactly how to pray. We see you working in the church. We see you work through persecution. We see you, you taking people and using them beyond their ability, that you grow the gospel beyond comfort. You grow, uh, you expand your kingdom. And, and I, we really struggle with the words that God to say because we don't, we don't want to pray for persecution. We pray for peace. We pray for, for our city to be great and this to be a great life for us. We don't pray for trouble here, God. And yet, at the same time, God, we, we ask that you would expand your kingdom here, that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth here in Salt Lake as it is in heaven. And so, God, we, that's what we ask for. And we pray that you would help us to walk with you in such a way that um, God, that you would, you'd show us a bit of persecution in the sense that we wouldn't be surprised by it, but we would see others who just don't know you not be in. And God, that in the midst of that, that people would come to know you and believe in you. They'd come to walk with you and begin to follow and find themselves believing and, and giving their lives completely to you. God, thanks for this passage, and I pray that you would help us as we step in further to these opposite ways as a church and as families, as missional life together groups, and God, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.